Ahoy, mateys! Welcome to the GameBoy.org video game podcast, your port of call for gaming news and views that maybe aren't on your radar, but most definitely should be. I'm your host, Captain Spike2099, and with me, as always, is First Mate Slagkick. Wait, we were recording again? Already? (laughs) Yes, indeed. Uh, Today is October 9th, 2019, and this is episode 167, A Change of Heart. So honestly, we're just going to play a game or talk about a game I recently played that I had a change of heart on and some uh, other games we recently played as well that are kind of hot topics. That sound good to you, Slaggy? Speaking of hot topics, what is the way that we rhyme? I hadn't even meant it like that yet. Um, of course, welcome once again, each and every one of our lovely and beautiful listeners to another episode of the GameBooie.org video game podcast. GameBooie.org video game podcast. Today, we're going to be going over, you know, the games we've been playing <laughs> recently. Uh, yeah, Slaggy, let's take us to that hot topic. I mean, you ruined probably like the best segue that I've ever done on the show. So honestly, it was a super good one. I'm... I didn't ruin it, though. It was just premature. Mm-hmm. Just like the announcement of the PlayStation 5. You want to tell us about that? Uh, I guess. I mean, it's because I'm supposed to report on it. And it's on our show roll. But yeah, so the PS5 has been teased, semi-revealed. I mean, it is the PlayStation 5. They are going to put out the PlayStation 5. That's what it's called. Um, yeah, I mean, they actually I, finally... You know, yeah, it's it's they I mean, finally it's, yeah. confirmed a bunch of stuff to Wired specifically. Um, and then they announced a bunch of stuff on the company's official blog as well. Uh, Kotaku has a really great summary of it, and we're gonna kind of go down the list here um, of what was confirmed by Sony. No longer, you know, waiting for all the leaks that we've been getting all of our yeah. PS5 info from. Uh, the first and probably biggest piece of info is that it is going to be called the PS5 and is targeted for a holiday 2020 release. Obviously, yeah, I mean, a I lot guess... of us clocked that, but interesting to have confirmed. I mean, I guess it's time. I mean, Wii U was, was, was Wii U 2012 and then the others were 2013 or was Wii U 2013 and then the others were 2014, I think the former right that sounds correct to me but honestly i had to pull up dates because uh couldn't quite remember the wii u was at the end of 2012 yeah i mean that because that was um early buoy really kind yeah, of that, yeah that cusp of the wii generation coming to the wii u yeah yeah, so, yeah I mean, it was i mean point point being that i guess it technically is already time for a new generation but yeah because I, the ps4 it, launched in n- uh, yeah, the end December or November twenty thirteen. It was like, a, yeah, like mid late November. Yeah, yeah, and then it released in uh, Japan, I guess, in early twenty fourteen. Remember oh, that yeah, was for, a big kerfuffle at the time that yeah. it had a delayed Japanese launch. And yeah. so you know, we look at these life cycles in at the end of twenty twenty. That'll be six years, seven years. Yeah. Oh, I was looking at the Japanese twenty fourteen. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, technically, technically, it's you know a seven years. So I mean, which is which is typical. But I mean, I don't know. I just I kind of felt like, and I mean, you know, we're going to talk about what they're trying to do. But it's kind of like getting to a point where do we really need to be continually making the bigger, better, beefier box? I mean, I guess I don't know. I just I kind of thought that we were kind of past that. You know, the idea of game generations. 
or I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of what we were being sold I, this generation, I thought. It doesn't seem to be the direction Sony's officially taking things. Uh, you know, some of the other information that we've kind of gotten this week includes, you know, that um, while they are aiming for PS4 backwards compatibility, they're still not really willing to confirm the degree to which... Of course they aren't. It'll probably be some streaming shit. Yeah. PlayStation Now or whatever it is. Yeah, that's my real problem. You know, I've seen a bunch of people online and on Twitter say things like, oh, well, you know, maybe this time they'll work out PS1 and PS2 playback at least. And it's like, dude, you can do PS1 and PS2 playback on a effing iPhone. Like, calm down. If Sony wanted you to be able to play your games, you could be able to play your games perfectly well already. They just obviously are not interested in doing that, probably for the sake of money. And that sucks, but it doesn't leave me terribly hopeful for the backwards compatibility situation with the PS5. Yeah, are you ready to buy part two of Final Fantasy VII Remake on PS5, but then have to buy and replay part one on PS5 because somehow it won't be backwards compatible fun yeah honestly i i wouldn't be half surprised if there wasn't some kind of fuckery about but where we are getting ahead of ourselves we're worrying about problems that aren't even here and we're beating up on sony before yeah so yeah they're even at market um, let's let's note they let's do have that. well i want to say they do have a, a couple of interesting things um the speaker in the controller is apparently going to be a better quality speaker than the one already in the ps4 controller Okay. Um, I will say I have, and I've noted this on the show many times, I love like controller speakers, like as a gimmick when it's well done. I think that it is just an adorable feature that adds a lot to a game. Like in something like No More Heroes, I thought was a really great use where it was like your little cell phone going on and everything. Or like in the Famicom version of The Legend of Zelda, where you can kill a pole's voice. I've never played that game that way, but it does sound awesome. I mean, I haven't either, but I mean, everyone knows about it. I'm just saying, just saying Nintendo did it like 30 years ago. And uh, they claim that they're using uh, haptic feedback to do like adaptive triggers that will offer like varying degrees of resistance on the triggers. Um, presumably, cool. I guess, to give like different feelings to like maybe uh, different car gas pedals in a racing sim or, um, you know, different levels of resistance for like a bow and arrow in like a shooty game type situation for survival. It kind of honestly to me sounds really like they have some neat ideas and that they're trying to take a couple interesting steps forward. So, yeah, I'm really honestly excited for the PS5. I know we're sounding It'll like be cool. It'll on be it. cool. I just, for me, it's a little, I don't think holiday 2020 will be too early to release a PlayStation 5. I think that October of 2019 is a little too early to be talking about this if this is all you're willing to show us. Yeah. And that, that like, um, realistic. That, that, that for me is where my snark comes from. The realistic bow and arrow will just be for Heavenly Sword 2. <laughs> well, and something interesting about that that we do know is that Blue Point Games, who is well known for their uh, HD remakes and remasters, has noted that they're working on a, a really big PS5 game, apparently. So we don't know what it is. It's Heavenly Sword 2. I'm, 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 just, being, I'm just being a smartass. 
No, I'll, I'll be honest. I wouldn't mind anything. I wouldn't mind a remake of even like Last Guardian or something, honestly, although that game was already fantastic, just kind of weirdly fug. But in that way, I guess that a lot of the Team Ico games are kind of adorably fug. Okay. <sighs> anyway, I'm just musing to myself now. We can move on. Oh, oh shit. Do we have to? I know. Um, yeah, this is actually kind of a, a really, really hot topic right now. Um, Slaggy, could you? Yeah, so there has been a, or was, a Asia Pacific Grandmasters, which is a official Hearthstone competition. You know, the Blizzard um, card sort of game, you know, Hearthstone. So The Blitz one that we used to talk about a lot. Yeah, so Blitz Chung, who is a pro Hearthstone player from Hong Kong was um, on a stream, um, an official stream, right? And uh, yeah, yeah, it was, was an official stream, official commentators by Blizz. Basically, um, you know, making pro Hong Kong liberation comments. And um, yeah, and, and I mean, let's be clear, you say pro Hong Kong liberation comments, what actually was said was literally two sentences. And they were like, Overall, we're talking about like seven words. It's, you know, liberate Hong Kong, revolution of our age, when translated to English. Right. And for this, for this, and the uh, encouragement thereof by the commentators on this stream, um, do you want to explain what happened from their psyche to these people? Yeah, so the two streamers um, will not be working with Blizzard, Blizzard will not be working with them. Um even though they were like trying to like, uh, they cut to a commercial and they, like, they they physically ducked down off of screen while he was making those comments. Um, so that's yeah, like they literally ducked and covered. Um, but for Blitzchung, Blitzchung, um, prize money was taken away, and so not just his prize money from this event, his prize money from the season that hadn't yet been paid out. Oh, okay, yeah, and um, a year long ban from taking part in Hearthstone esports. Yeah. So um, the thing is, you know, Blizzard is defending themselves by saying that, uh, you know, um, the competition rule that Blitzchung was in violation of is the Grandmasters competition rules uh, version 1.4, page 12, section 6.10, um, engaging in any act that and Blizzard in Blizzard's sole discretion brings you into public disrepute, offends a portion or group of the public, or otherwise damages Blizzard's image will result in removal from Grandmasters and reduction of the player's price total to $0 USD. Um, in addition to other remedies which may be provided for under terms, da 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 da, da. Um, The thing is, I I'm not going to say that Blitzchunk didn't break a rule. Um, technically, he did, because technically Blizzard says, hey, at any time, uh, we can decide that you have done something we don't like and we don't have to pay you out, or and we don't have to mess with you no more. And I guess technically that is within their rules, but I think it's a shitty rule. I think that this is offensive. I think that it is um, the oppression. It contributes to the oppression of uh, Blitzchung's speech. I think it is just effing deplorable, uh, frankly. Um, but even if, like if they had this rule and 
just kicked Blitzchung out of Grandmasters, didn't pay him out for any Grandmasters, whatever, whatever, uh, but still paid him out the rest of his winnings, didn't cut him from from the season or whatever. I think a lot of us would be like, okay, well, that's probably that. I mean, still not fair, but is at least like something we could accept. But this is beyond the pale. Like this is a ridiculous way to punish someone for exercising what is in my opinion uh, completely like not just free speech but like you know a peaceful protest Uh, to me it should it's practically like protected speech i mean you know not that i'm going to expect to see anybody waving the free speech is so important you know things that uh you know the anime avatar types that um, are always getting upset about games getting quote unquote censored because you can't date, you know, 12 year old girls in the American version or whatever. They're not going to go defend nobody's actual freedom of speech when it matters. I bet though, Um, in case you can't tell I'm I'm super mad that blizzard took this course of action. I think it's deplorable that blizzard did this. I think that when I look at uh, who blizzard was as a company and where they are now, where they're obviously kowtowing, what used to be important company values um, kowtowing to uh, you know the basically the Chinese government due to what is well known the demands of what is and is not allowed in in that country um, it, it's clear why they silenced this guy it's clear why they're punishing so harshly the people on, even only tangentially related to this this situation but um, I just don't think it was the appropriate response of the company and in a really gross way. Yeah. And I mean, you know, for all of the um, homophobic, transphobic, shitty comments that like Overwatch League players make. And, you know, I mean, sure that there there have been like, you know, some punishments, but like that this is more severe for, you know. Um, yeah. You know, for basically yeah. um, be, you know, having people supporting the patriotism of your you know country i mean i don't know and the, you know the whole situation politically surrounding hong kong is you know a much bigger conversation than you know is meant for buoy the thing is obviously everyone can probably work out where i'm at on that kind of an issue i'm sure it's more nuanced than i'm aware of and i will not pretend to know everything about it but it seems to me like someone um should be allowed to make a comment like that and if they must face repercussion in a setting like this, I don't believe it should be a major repercussion. I'm sorry, especially not for what is, as I understand, a first-time offender. It just seems grossly inappropriate. Yeah, and I mean, um, we've even seen um, a few Blizzard employees have like did a protest, and I guess Blizzard's now rethinking, possibly, like, backstepping, but, you know... Um, this is just this is all still kind of developing. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the thing, you know, a lot of people are canceling their um, accounts to Blizzard games. I know that I myself have canceled my WoW Classic subscription, which is, I regretfully um, have as well. Yeah, which is yeah, it's unfortunate because I've been loving WoW Classic as we're going to talk about. Uh, you're going to talk about more than I, but we'll talk about a little later. Uh, but how I just can't in good conscience continue giving money to Blizzard as they are continually proving that they're not a good company anymore. I know a yeah, lot of I mean, us like to think about the blizzard that we grew up with. And, you know, for some of us, I mean that very literally, you know, I grew up with 
Blizzard alongside of them. I, I graduated the summer that Diablo 2 was released. So, you know, to me, these games are like connected to, to my life, but I just cannot support a company that is so continually missing the mark, especially on, on the big things, you know, even the, the relatively smaller things that they get right often have an element where they're wrong. Uh, you know, some of the representational issues where, you know, maybe they have taken steps, but in the opinions of many, including myself and I, I think you, uh, maybe haven't done quite enough. So, it, it, yeah, it's just at some point when someone shows you who they are, you, you have to accept it and believe them. Blizzard is showing us time and time again that they're more Activision than Blizzard, if that's the way that we need to phrase this to make it make sense to those of us with a certain sensibility. Yeah, I mean, it was one thing when um, during Wrath of... Remember during Wrath of the Lich King when they um, first were getting ready to launch... World of Warcraft in China, and they um, put flesh over the Forsaken so that they weren't really skeletons. They were just kind of like, you know, undead or, you know, like monsters or whatever. Just in China, they have uh, no bones showing because of, you know, rules about um, skeletons and portrayals of the dead. So, you know, that was like demetalified undead it bugs me because i think the un, i think the forsaken look rad as hell i do too, i know so. i know our game still has the rad metal looking one yeah but so um yeah um so i mean that was one thing i mean that was like 10 years ago but uh you know that was one thing to you know kind of i, I mean i don't know well, but i mean you know it, 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 it is a time market and i appreciate that certain concessions can should be made and in my opinion something like Making changes to the model of Forsaken, while aesthetically unpleasant, is, in my larger opinion, just not that big of a deal. I think context is important, and if they have to make a change to some skeletons in-game to sell the game somewhere, I get why they're going to do that. But I think you can make changes like that in order to sell a game in a territory without whole tilt throwing someone out the door forever. At least I hope. You know, if that's what it takes to sell your games in China, maybe the better choice is to not sell your games in China. Not that capitalism yeah, I mean, certainly I, let you have that. Have you been following uh, this whole movement to make May the kind of the unofficial face, uh, the fan movement? of They want May to kind of be like a, a symbol for the Hong Kong resistance as a way to, um, you know, if she's associated with it, then they're wanting to uh, basically, at least this is what I've been reading, that they want to try to get Overwatch banned in China to uh, so that Blizzard will feel a financial hit. Dang. Because, you well, know, May is um, May is ancestry Chinese, and so they, uh, you know, kind of, like, reclaiming her, I guess? You know, I did see art of her in the protest mask, so now that I have that context, I, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, see, I hadn't heard that, so I, I don't really feel like I can comment on it, but that, that is people, interesting like you, you said, are doing art and art and photoshop and um even edited her one video where she's like you remember the one where she was like uh talking to winston and they're like you know we we've got to fight to make the world better you know and they like put footage of like you know the subways and uh all that and it's like damn you know so yeah so like yeah this story's still developing i have a feeling we will have some sort of update on it um next time we record 
Unless that's yeah. like, unless that's like February. <laughs> no, don't even say it. You know, the current schedule that I have is that we need to do a focus on spooky games of some kind in the next two weeks. And I'd like to get a series retrospective together sometime in the next few weeks. Oh, so... that's, that's something we haven't done in a while. Fun. Exactly. And we've always had really good success with those typically in like October, November of the year. So yeah, yeah. I think it's about time. Anyway, I'm trying really hard to get us moving in a positive direction because this this Blizzard thing is it sucks. Mm -hmm. um, I will note, you know, I when I canceled my account, I did in the comments field note that, you know, I really felt that the punishment that um, Blitzchung received was far too harsh and mm -hmm. grossly inappropriate. And, you know, obviously it's unlikely that that's ever going to mean anything to anyone, but until we see blizzard take some kind of ownership of this and right. ownership of how wrong they acted or how wrong this call was i just can't in good conscience give them my money yeah and... I, I basically said that too i won't good. subscribe again until they have basically um apologized for choosing business interests over free speech that's fantastic and you know what i honestly i hope enough people do this that that you know they at least realize that they messed up because uh, they should they're frankly their bottom line deserves to take mm -hmm. a hit over and this. i feel like we talked about this last episode but i've had a very over the past few years had a very different change in attitude about uh you know the idea of um art versus artists which you know i did a blog about that like a couple of years ago with remember when project steam was had the controversy because of the um, one individual who who came up with the term that you know was a alt right movement. Uh -huh. um, anyways, yeah. So like at the time, I was like, oh, you know, we can still appreciate the art, but now I'm just like, fuck that. You know, I'm going to I'm going to yeah. put my money where my mouth is, or take my money away where my mouth is, or whatever. You know, the um, thing is, it's becoming increasingly difficult to me to make time and space in my life for things that aren't deserving of it. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I have so many options for games now, both in my own library on my backlog and, you know, in the marketplace that I just haven't bought yet. I don't have to keep paying WoW, paying for WoW and playing WoW. I can play other games. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I guess I'll talk more about that when we talk about WoW Classic during our discussion, because I guess I had a change of heart about the idea of WoW Classic and now yeah, I'm having a change of heart again. So it's like a change of oh. heart. Right. So I just sucks because I was like really starting to um, actually be interested in playing retail WoW again. And I was like, oh, we can I was too. I was like, we need to start doing like um, weekly streams. <sighs> Of our skeleton buoys, um, the ones that we were going to make pirate rogues. And we even um, paid for like the six month subscription to get the pirate ship mounts. Yeah. I even, I even um, bought um, on the auction house on one of my, you know, on my main character, I even bought um, some cosmetic pirate hats so that like admirals um, tricorn and everything yes exactly and they were like i spent like fifty thousand gold my uh you know my you know my demon hunter had like you know three hundred thousand gold or whatever but so it was it was just like you know not that much but you know i did that i was like yeah i want i want my uh skeleton pirate to have some cool hat options when as you do 
Yeah, uh, when he gets to uh, that level. Although I think there are even some cool tricorns that you can get from the questing. But anyway, pirate hats. Not not until not until they uh, not until they admit their fuck up. Well, and honestly, if that's what we want to do, maybe what we should just do is play uh, Sea of Thieves. Thieves, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's supposed well, to be super fun now, and yeah. it's past, so shoot. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's move this on. Uh, if we were wanna... trying to play a game cool. on PC in November. <sighs> I had a really good. I had a really good. I was going to say, if you want to take your horse to the old town road and you're on a PC, come on. Lil Nas X has been a whole thing since we record, since we, you know, we're on hiatus. So yeah, old town road. If, if, if you honestly, I was withholding there. You, you get off on withholding, don't you? Look at me getting off. Um, So uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. But no, that actually was funny. Yeah. I was laughing. I love the old I didn't hear you. Oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah, no, so I wasn't actually laughing. I was silently laughing because I didn't want you to hear me. That was the point. Rude. Well, Red Dead Redemption 2 is coming to PC. So you can, uh, depending on if you have a good graphics card, uh, you'll really be able to see, um, you know, I mean, on Xbox One X, I'm sure it was great, but those um, heat-sensitive horse testes, you know, I bet they would really shine on that, uh, you know, high-end graphics card you got on your PC. What the hell are you talking about? Like, remember the the horse testes, like, react to the weather? It's literally linked in this um, article on Kotaku. No, I know. I I just can't. Well, then, then, then I I hope that there's an option in the graphics to uncheck realistic horse testicle simulation. Anyway. You know what sucks? Do you know what sucks? What sucks? Thank you, because I know you know what sucks, because you can also see the show roll. But it really sucks that Doom Eternal has been delayed to March 20th, 2020. Yeah, so... And that's for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. It has actually been delayed to an unknown date for Switch. Um, on the flip oh. side, on the flip side, Doom 64 has been added as a freebie giveaway on that same day as a pre-order bonus for Doom Eternal. So, okay, it can't rain all the time. Yeah. Um. So I guess Doom Doom Buoy isn't one we're gonna do. I mean, that would require me to have actually played Dooms before, but uh, maybe doomy, one day Doom Doomy Doomy Doom Doom. Maybe one day Doom Buoy would be a good one because I mean. It, it's too bad I haven't played Doom because that would be kind of spooky. Doom Buoy. Doom Buoy. You could just start playing the Doom games. It's October 9th. Yeah, yeah sure. I'll play like every Doom game in the There's next like 20 eight days. of them, and several of them you could probably play in one sitting. Uh, we'll think about it. Um, so, Rocket League is um, going to have blueprints instead of loop boxes. Interesting. And, you know, this is uh, kind of a big deal. Obviously, um, they're going to work somewhat similarly to loot boxes in that, you know, you're going to sort of accumulate points or whatever toward, um, you know, the the blueprints and you'll be able to see what you're getting and know if you want to purchase that item rather than just like it necessarily being a gamble. Uh, This is, I think, a good way to nip in the bud the gambling complaint of microtransactions. Mm-hmm. Taking out the random element, allowing for cosmetic microtransactions that um, obviously players can choose to opt in or out of and have more empowered choice on rather than necessarily be as taken advantage of. Um, 
I still remain somewhat on the fence. I mean, as a reality of the gaming world and like the modern day gaming development environment, I guess it's inevitable that we're going to see these post-release monetization streams. I'm glad that they are reverting to more healthy systems like this. Yeah, so good on Psyonix for, you know, even if it's not ideal, taking the first step. Exactly. Thank you. That's, you know, honestly, that's it exactly. This isn't ideal, but it's a first step. And it's one that honestly was a long call for, in my opinion. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So we're actually in our culture club now. So sorry. Oh, yeah. These are like our stories that are sort of ostensibly about the world around us and like opinion pieces and things. And speaking of the world around us. Exactly. Keeping your information safe and secure on the internet is always, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Like maybe someday your FIFA 20 global series information will get leaked. Or your words with friends data. Cool. Did we just take care of those two? Did we just take care of those two news items in like one sentence? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, it is what it says on the tin. If you have a FIFA account, you should check and make sure that you weren't hacked last week. If you have a Zynga account from, you know, obviously after um, Zynga, I guess, um, started requiring you to have a separate login from your Facebook. Um, If you were playing Zynga games after that point, make sure your password isn't a common password you use for your accounts because it's out there, uh, not just on the dark web at this point, probably anywhere on random paste bins and shit. Yikes. Yeah. So That's why you you don't play Zynga games. (laughs) I mean, and there are a lot of reasons not to play Zynga games, honestly. Uh, anyone can get hacked. It's easy to make jokes like that. But honestly, there's no moral or value component to getting hacked. It's important to lock your, your software down. Boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. So we also have uh, some bummer news here. Yeah. Do you want to talk about this one, Slaggy? Uh, I know this is one of my like big issues, but I feel like you've sort of reported on a lot of these stories. Yeah, so, you know, we've talked a lot about unionization in gaming, and I mean, you, you're hearing a lot about it, too, you know, uh, it's, a, it's also a common theme on the campaign trail for certain candidates that I may be, you know, basically officially endorsing at this point. Um, anyway, um, you know, so unionization, it's, you know, controversial, apparently, like, oh, that workers should have rights. Ooh, so anyways. Holy um, shit, what do you mean? So this human lives aren't fodder and gristle for the mill. What? Um, so this comes from the UK Independent Workers Union. They have accused us two games, which you probably know best from Monument Valley, um, of union besting. So basically, oh, hell no. Um, a senior programmer named Austin Kelmore, um, because of his actions with Game Workers Unite. Um, whom we have uh, spoken, yeah. I mean, we've spoken about them before. We're definitely supporters of those folks. Yeah, and so um, Game Workers Unite UK is a branch of the Independent Workers Union. So um, basically, um, he he was uh, terminated. So um, this was what I'm following from this news article. Um, and at his disciplinary meeting, he was not informed. The meeting was disciplinary, so he didn't have access to a union rep. Um, so, uh, basically because of his, because of speaking out on unionization issues and initiatives towards improving working conditions in the game industry, us too has dismissed Kelmore from his position. And, you know, so now, um, 
basically um, Kelmore and his family, you know, their well-being is at risk now. Like, you know, their source of income and, you know, livelihood. You know, that's what people sometimes maybe, especially when they're like, especially the whole attitude of like, oh, games are made for me. Game developers need to listen to me and please my every whim. Like, you know, like these are real people whose livelihoods are affected. You know, we always say, you know, our hearts go out to the people when these studios close, et cetera. Um, but, you know, these are real people. And I do have to note, one of the other things I've seen a lot is um, people saying, oh, well, it sounds to me like us two games could have just had legitimate reasons to fire him. It might not have been related at all. Um, honestly, these things very rarely happen in a vacuum. I can't really speak to details, but I can say that in my personal experience, I have seen people in the workplace um, who have done things that maybe, in my opinion, should have been protected, who are then terminated uh, ostensibly legally, but in my opinion, certainly unethically. So honestly, it's I have to be real, even just from the information we're getting here, it really sounds to me like this person was fired for uh, speaking out on people's rights like mm, people I'm being so... punished people fe- being punished for speaking about basic freedoms is that a thing right well and i i think that you know I, as we all i say we all you know some people are very fortunate that they've known about and understood a lot of these sort of gross realities of capitalism um, much earlier i think than a lot of us in the gaming population have figured it out or are figuring it out but i feel like a lot of us are starting to realize that these companies are bullshit and weaponize us and use us and then weaponize and use their own developers the same way and then at the end of the day we're getting overpriced not necessarily overpriced but i should say we're getting price gouged we're getting you know being taken to task and being asked to pay for the same games repeatedly um developers are being laid off left and right being treated in these increasingly awful conditions where they're not being protected they're being denied basic you know good treatment that employees should have and be entitled to everywhere in the world in my opinion and meanwhile you know so many of these corporations are posting record profits so there's a problem here and it's not with us and it's not with the people making the game so i think it's with the people who made a minimal investment and have then exponentially profited off of these things year after year wild yeah Yeah. well i guess we gotta move on right to our next from capitalism yes (laughs) to our next story okay because when you said gotta move on or i ever since you said that like gotta move on gotta move on seems like my life was falling apart (laughs) oh see i thought you were doing i've been facing all the problems that'll get me well yeah i mean still on camera lammy i was like got to move on i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know got to move on but i don't think i can carry on no sorry oh (laughs) snap okay yeah the the other milk the other milk can jam excellent okay you have gotten us back no into a better. Cars. You've gotten us back into a better energy. Isn't no, that a groove? Cars. Isn't that a groove? So, so we so listen up. Forward. Listen up, um, games industry. No cutting corners. 
Um, so unfortunately, um, on a similar note to people's livelihoods being affected, um, to take it back, um, Alpha Dream, who you probably know best as the company behind the beloved Mario and Luigi series. You know, there's Bowser's Inside Story and the other ones, but, you know, Bowser's Inside Story is the one that I always go back to because it sounds salacious. Um, so they've unfortunately filed to ba- for bankruptcy. Damn it. And, you know, this news broke while we were recording our last episode. Um, yeah. So, but... Uh, we didn't really have a lot of news at that time because it was, again, really literally breaking in the Japanese newspapers as we were recording. <laughs> um, but they basically cited that, uh, you know, the basically the market conditions of, you know, uh, decreasing numbers of uh, revenues and the high increasing costs of uh, development of games. Yeah, basically, you know, they, they no, could no longer make their margins make sense. Um, by March 2018, I guess they were in debt by uh, just several million dollars. But still, you know, these things, they add up quick. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this, once you can't, you know, keep the doors open. Yeah, that sucks because, I mean, uh, Alpha Dream was really keeping the um, original spirit of Mario RPG and the original Paper Mario's kind of alive. Because, you know, Paper Mario kind of ended up going straying a little way from its roots. Um, so, I mean, the Mario and Luigi series was really where you were getting kind of, um, you know, going back to um, Super Mario RPG. And, I mean, uh, Tetsuya Mizuno-san from Square um, was, you know, the founder of Alpha Star, which, you know, later became Alpha Dream. So, you know, that's kind of, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm i sure the Mario and Luigi RPG IP isn't gone forever, but, you know, Alpha Dream seems to be, you know, their website has been down you know well, so. I'm honestly i'm i'm actually a little surprised that we didn't see nintendo step in and kind of scoop them up if i'm being frank uh you know they actually did develop the uh bowser's inside story plus bowser jr's journey which just released for the 3ds less than a year ago which i mean is half the problem there i know i didn't buy it and i know a lot of my friends yeah. who normally would buy that kind of a game didn't buy it I was hoping for a Switch port, and now I'm worried that won't be coming. Yeah, well, I guess... Um, it's just, you know, kind of in discussing what we were talking about earlier, it's getting increasingly hard for me to justify buying games I don't intend on playing. Yeah. Like, I, I'm all for wanting to, like, send a signal or send a response or whatever, like, to show publishers that we want content, but... But also... I, I, at the same time, yeah, mm-hmm. I have a wallet, and I have a budget, <laughs> and I have... And if I want to play a handheld console or, you know, handheld games, I'm going to play my Switch, sorry. <laughs> well, and that is, you know, at the end of the day, that is a big part of why I didn't pick this game up, is because I didn't want to play a 3DS game. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I'm sorry, in 2019, I, I just don't want to play 3DS if I can help it. I mean, the the Game Boy, you know, Game Boy iconic, life-changing, industry-changing, and, you know, the DS family, industry-changing, iconic. Um, but, you know, like, honestly, I mean, and I'm not just saying this to be, like, wah, wah. Um, wah. Um, like, after a while, like, I mean, I don't know if it's just because of, like, my weirdness or, like, if I have, like, you know, weird circulation issues, which probably I do, but, like, I always found that, like, playing a playing a ds or 3ds for too long like my hands would just get like too cramped up so like you know for me it's not just like oh i don't want to support 3ds it's like 
after a while, like that console, even as ergonomic as they try to make it, gets uncomfortable for me to play. So I'll be honest, for me, the biggest issue is the quality of the display. Um, I don't mind going back in terms of graphics, but it's really hard for me to go back in terms of like much lower resolution and like maybe sometimes in a lot of like RPGs moving to text fonts that are like literally unpleasant to the eyes to read. Yeah, me, I mean, that kind of quality you, of life. Can stuff you imagine? I, just, I don't want to play a 3DS game anymore. I, I want to imagine play on a higher if, resolution um, screen, even if it's not super high resolution, the, the Switch is much better for me. Can you, imagine if, can you imagine if Sword and Shield were coming to 3DS? Like, I, I don't think I could even. I don't think I could even. And I mean, I'm I'm so hyped for Sword and Shield. Oh yeah, since we um don't officially have it um anywhere In on our production. show world. Oh. oh no, I'm just saying since we don't officially have it anywhere on our show world, can I just yeah, say, yeah of um, course. Because I guess this is kind of um can I just do this as a little unofficial culture club? We don't even have to link it. Swaggy, just, you can talk about whatever you'd like, bro. I just thought it was really cute. Um, and I mean, I know people. Some people thought it was dumb. Um, the 24 hour stream that Nintendo did where it was like a wildlife camera. And then sometimes an impidimp would come up and play tricks. And there was like moral lols and then a Pikachu. But then the, the whole thing was really to tease and reveal Galarian Ponyta. So, um, can I just say that I thought that was really cute. And also, um, I knew you were going to love that, honestly. And, um, that was the, I guess the Glimwood Tangle camera. Yes. Yes. And so, um, we officially have the reveal of Galarian form Ponyta. Um, it's a psychic type unicorn. It is my new baby. It is, I feel like the um, Alolan Vulpix so far in terms of um, Gen 1 cutie who is somehow now even cuter and more gay and adorable. Um, and I feel a little vindicated that it's a S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, exclusive because I w- had been Team S.H.I.E.L.D. like for months at this point and you know you sword players you will getting... catch me one of these i will catch you one the of the fetched yeah, yeah it'll be fine of course no i'm gonna get a whole herd of um galarian ponyta cuties of course i'm just saying that like i i feel very vindicated in my choice to go shield at this point so excellent excellent well, you know, that was an unplanned segue, but what a what a beautiful, beautiful news story for us to switch. What a beautiful into wedding <laughs> said the bridesmaid to the or was it the yeah. All right. Well, this is the segment that we call my own private Idaho, where we talk about center news and to spotlight the shit that we care about that maybe the rest of the world doesn't. We only have a few small news stories here. Um, the first is that <laughs> Super Robot Wars X Asia version with English subtitles will be releasing on Switch and PC January 10th, 2020. Um, that'll also be releasing in Japan, just in Japanese, on January 10th, 2020. Um, something that should be noted about this release and the recent release of Super Robot Wars V um, on Switch and PC is that the Steam version is, for whatever region, for whatever reason, region locked so that you can only purchase it in uh, Japanese and Asia regions despite being a full English localization. Uh, The Switch version has no such problem. I have myself imported a cartridge of Super Robot Wars V and have recently been playing it, although I won't be talking about that today. Mm. Uh, I'll probably also import Super Robot Wars X, because I have T and I have V, so I'll want X. 
So um, how do you feel about this announcement that um, Forever Entertainment, who, you know, we had, I feel like, was it, um, did we talk about this? Or this might have been in between our... Um, we talked about Panzer Dragoon remake at E3. Okay, I thought they had, that's why I said, I feel like we did, because... Um, or a Nintendo Direct. We, we definitely talked about it. Yeah, so it's, um, yeah, so I was going to say, I couldn't remember if we had talked about it yet at, uh, if it was at E3. So, yeah, Forever Entertainment, who's doing the Panzer Dragoon um, remake, is also doing remakes of House of the Dead and House of the Dead 2. So, uh, woohoo! Now you can suffer like G did. <laughs> yeah, you know, so this is cool. There were some rumors based on, like, some, uh, I think it was, like, employment postings, and there was, like, some, uh, like catalog like future release listings for house of the dead and house of the dead 2 remakes by forever so it's really cool to see this get confirmed even though it's obviously way sooner than they meant to announce this you know there's no art assets or anything no you know proof of concept like target renders but i love house of the dead i love house of the dead 2 um my real hope for these games being, you know, light gun games is that they have some kind of uh, aiming peripheral support. Uh, if the PS4 version could have like a PSVR mode where you could just be standing in front of a machine using the move as like a light gun, that would be great. Um, I just really want to retain the light gun aiming. Uh, Switch using motion controls would be fine. I just, I really hope some kind of light gun aiming is in in play here do you have any thoughts do you like house of the dead where are you at i mean you know house of the dead you know i feel it was like uh whenever you come across one i mean i guess at this point it's well maybe a little bit harder to find um a house of the dead machine at this point but you know those were i mean they're always fun and kind of like dumb but i mean i don't know like oh, yeah. I always, you know i see them a lot i feel you know i mean i guess we kind of have the uncommon situation that in a 30 mile radius of us, we have now like three different arcades that stock popular Japanese arcade machines. Yeah. But I'm trying to think, do any of the round ones have at any? least one of them does. And I, mean, I can maybe... name two movie theaters in the area that have house of the dead machines. I mean, cause it might be like um, Scarlet Dawn. I don't know if it's like, you know, straight up House of the Dead or... Well, two. I mean, yeah, and I am talking about Scarlet Dawn. I just okay. played Scarlet Dawn at one of the round ones like a month ago. Oh man, now I want to go play... <laughs> I want to go play House of the Dead. Um, well, instead of that, in uh, this November, from the 1st to the 3rd, you can participate, possibly, in the closed beta test for One Punch Man, a hero nobody knows, which is going to be releasing in 2020 for the playstation 4 xbox one and pc oh yeah honestly um this is tricky because this is a game that i really want to be excited about i love anime games we've talked about this many many times over the years it's one of the you big just... reasons why i like to talk or why i wanted to make this show in the first place was to talk about anime games because it used to be that they were so uncommon and nobody was really talking about them you just um, wish it was um uh, my now, Hero Academia game instead. Well, well, actually, Boku no Hero Game 2 got announced. Uh, One's Justice Part 2. That is a game oh, yeah. that's going to be coming out. They just announced more characters for it, including all the characters for, that are going to be upcoming in Season 4. But, you know, it's uh, it's just, it's going to be a whole thing. Uh, my problem is the footage of the One Punch Man game so far just doesn't look very good. Um, uh, I know that that Boku no Hero game had some problems, but like, 
it was still fun watching the gameplay for this trailer it doesn't look fun and so i'm concerned <laughs> so so why That's are you why saying I, that why are you saying i should do that from november 1st the third so why can't if anyone gets into this beta test possibly me but even if not like just let me know if it's any good or not so i can know if i want to get this game or if we're just never going to talk about it again okay but you were telling me to do that so instead i'd allowed to play um house of the dead on day of the dead all right. Uh, you could also Typing play, of the dead. <laughs> you know, something that isn't on our show roll, but that I do want to note is that there is on the uh, Japanese PSN and Nintendo eShops uh, demo for Super Monkey Ball Banana Blitz HD, which Aww. we'll be releasing later this month. Yeah, Finish and apparently, that, it has, right? apparently it has full uh, English language support. So I'm going to go download that right after this episode. Nice. Play me some Monkey Ball. All right. With all of this having been said, it is now time for our discussion. Okay, but before you get too deep into it, imagine if Super Monkey Ball before and Dragon Ball in too deep. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. What was that? Super Monkey Ball and Dragon Ball Super had Super Dragon Ball Monkey Super Super Dragon Monkey Ball Super. Would that it's just like... be Goku's testes? <laughs> oh, I actually remember um, um, when we were first starting to get. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying like when when Dragon Ball was first, like in the late '80s, on like uh, you know airing in Japanese, um, just without subtitles. But when like Funimation officially was bringing over Dragon Ball, didn't they like um, censor? Oh yeah, uh, they Coco they would Spices. like. Yeah, they would add <laughs> like, like uh, fig- <laughs> precisely. Yeah, like oh, here is this random like leaf. Or oh, the like, random I plant I that has grown that. up and is just covering little Goku's peepee. I guess that happened not to go on too, didn't it? I don't know, but sure I just did. Like, but just when you said Goku, or like uh, with like having like Goku's uh, or Gohan's costume like ripped in such a way that like his bare ass was still covered by a piece of fabric that was absolutely not still there in the Japanese <laughs> release. Could we please stop talking about Goku's and Gohan's testes? I was talking about his bare bottom, thank you. Yeah, but this is still highly inappropriate. I'm not sexualizing it. If you are, that's on you. Ew, no. All right, so something that's really been very exciting for me lately is that I have been making a focus this year, as had been one of my goals, on clearing out my backlog. So as a result, I've played a bunch of games over the past summer. Um, I really wanted to talk about a few of them while playing some of these games. I actually like noticed that they coincided with some of some more recent releases in some really interesting ways. And I just kind of wanted to talk about that. I know that Slagkick got a lot of gaming in this summer, and I know he really wanted to talk about uh, one of his current addictions in particular that, uh, frankly, I think he might have a little bit of a guilty conscience about. (laughs) Not as much as you'd think. Good, honestly, good because as long as like you're not um, it's, wailing, I, I am a supporter of just enjoying. I would say it's an unpopular opinion. Things. Unpopular, yeah. opinion. and that's fine. But I mean, it sounds to me like you yourself had again a change of heart. So it's funny. We're like, oh yeah, no, there are no change of hearts involved in this episode. No, they are involved left and right. It's pretty wild. Um, some of the games I'm not going to talk about here at length, though, are stuff like, um, I played No Man's Sky. I really, really enjoyed it. Oh, cool. Yeah, Um, I've been meaning to do that. Yeah. 
I, I will probably continue playing it, but I've at this point, I put in like 20 plus hours, um, which I know is nothing in that game. But for, I think most of us can agree, like you get a pretty good sense for a game at that point. And I actually liked it. I found the gameplay loop to be a lot more compelling than I was expecting. Um, you know, I just, it turns out I didn't think I liked survival mechanics, but um, I think it was Breath of the Wild kind of taught me that I really do. And we're going to, we're going to, dig into what that means for me a little later um i also wait, did, finally... wait, wait. did you say that you didn't think you liked breath of the wild well no no specifically survival mechanics oh, and i okay. realized that for me breath of the wild was kind of a turning point on survival mechanics um hmm. another way that that came out is that i played uh far cry the primal the i almost called it far cry bc which i think might have been one of the working titles but it's you know far cry as a caveman it's really cool um i played it oh, i played huh. through a, a great portion of it i really enjoyed it actually the it reminded the gameplay reminded me a lot of uh assassin's creed the more recent ones that are more rpg styled um origins and odyssey mm -hmm. but in a way that again you know a very similar loot kill upgrade explore kill search kill upgrade explore yeah that kind of loop and i find that really compelling uh particularly when you mix in you know survival elements like hunger and you know you're having to forage and craft um you know it just for me has turned out to be a, a really potent mix of gameplay elements yeah i mean um, far cry is one of those ones that uh, i've always seemed kind of like cool but i've just never really bothered with although blood dragon um that aesthetic is still my jam so yeah i wish i had an electric guitar with me so i could do like a sick like every time you talk about blood dragon well you just did anyway so nice uh, let's see. And then the other game I played, <laughs> you're probably sensing a theme, was uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. And I finally took that one through. And I liked it a lot more than I expected to, actually. Um, beautiful game. I, I actually will probably talk about it at a later date, but I want to wait until after Death Stranding releases, because that's actually built on the Horizon uh, engine. Oh! Wanna, that's actually a big part of why I wanted to play Horizon, is I wanted to get a sense for what of, of what the engine is doing in that setting, so that when I get a sense of what it's doing in uh, Death Stranding, I ha have a better sense of it, and, and the scale, and I'll be honest, I talk about the scale specifically, because even the scale in um, Horizon, like, I was really surprised by that engine, and they pulled it off, sis, like, that is an amazing accomplishment of a game that got totally slept on because it launched at the same time as a certain other games that were best in class but it's still an a plus effort hmm. yeah i just started talking like i didn't think i had that much to say about that game is the real reason why it wasn't on this list and then just blurp, word vomit and then oh no actual vomit although i hope not no, i was making, no, a, mean, I was making a mean girls joke yeah i mean at this point it's 2019 shit uh, you know, my point was going to be... Mean Girls 15th anniversary. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows Mean Girls. It's October that. 3rd. Or it's October 9th now. <laughs> LOL. All right. Well, all this having been said, why don't you talk about the game you wanted to talk about? Which one? The first one. Like the first one on my list or the one I was talking about earlier? I had thought you would talk about the first one on your list, but if you'd like to talk about the first one you were talking about earlier, you could do that, okay, too. Well, I'll, just do, I'll just do the first one on my list. So, um, All right. So one of the things that... 
had been kind of a common thread before we went on hiatus is, you know, I had been talking a lot about um, Final Fantasy XIV. Um, for the most part, you know, there were maybe some walls in between patches that I, you know, maybe uh, didn't quite keep up on. But, um, you know, I really enjoyed Stormblood. Um, it was a very um, different... In, in, I, I feel like it was very... Um, it covered a lot of themes that typically people don't associate with Final Fantasy, I feel like. But, you know, I still see... I still think they're very Final Fantasy, you know, about, like, you know, uh, people, like, uh, liberating... Being liberated from a, you know... Uh, a oppressive power and stuff. So, I mean, that's very Final Fantasy to me. It's like, yeah, honestly, military Final Final Fantasy overall is basically all about toppling fascist regimes, like full tilt for real. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, uh, you know, something that was a very, you know, I I think it was just, it was, um, a little more grounded in, um, the human. Well, I mean, you know, there's not obviously more than just humans in there, but you know, I think it was a little more you grounded. Say the human element, and you mean like the, the emotional element, I think. Right. So, anyways, um, uh, Stormblood was a great expansion, but um, Shadowbringers came out this summer, and I think um, so. Basically, it's the um, best rated um, expansion thus far for Final Fantasy fourteen. It is the best-rated Final Fantasy game in at least the past five or six years in terms of, like, Metacritic scores. It's just, um, I mean, I'm not saying that, like, everyone should agree with that, but it's just, like, uh, just to give you an idea of how well-acclaimed it is. Um, so without spoiling it too much, um, you know, I think that, it, like, with the caveat that I thought that um, Stormblood was fantastic, I think that Shadowbringers is probably the best expansion so far. Like, I just really... Like, the things, like I said, um, you know, I, I really appreciated a lot of the elements of Stormblood that a lot of people complain about, you know, like the militaristic parts, which, you know, again, I mean, like, you think about Final Fantasy VI, very military. Final Fantasy VIII is straight up about military schools and stuff, you know, so, like, you know, um, I didn't think it was too far, uh, far gone from, you know, a Final Fantasy, but this, you know, definitely has, like, a lot of, like, you know, good versus evil, light versus dark um a lot of like you know kind it's of good versus evil high fantasy elements and you know just like a, a lot of the things i don't know i just I, I feel like it just felt very like quintessential final fantasy to me and um you know it, it has a lot of story ties if you um were a big fan of the heaven's Ward expansion it you know picks up some of those story threads in a really interesting way and um you know, it wasn't perfect. I, I, I don't want to do a spoiler cast about it right now, but, um, you know, there, yeah, were yeah. Few, there were a few, like, um, there was a particular uh, character portrayal that I thought was kind of a lazy crutch. Um, basically, um, So you don't one, have to say what yeah. the crutch was, but, like, do you want to maybe talk around it a little? So um, the idea of, um, well, because so, so the story kind of ties into, like, you know, uh, like dark versus light and the idea of like sins and stuff. And so the idea of there's one character who's meant to represent gluttony, who's portrayed as morbidly obese and like the, the, the kind of uh, treated like as grotesque and stuff. And, you know, as a um, larger gentleman, uh, you know, I, I take issue with portrayals of obesity and, um, you know, that's a whole, that's a whole other thing. Um, it's a whole other discussion for another day. So like that was, that was one issue I had, but overall, that was that alone wasn't enough to um, 
you know, ruined the game experience for me. I, um, especially the end game, you know, and I say end game, but I mean like the end of the, you know, expansion. Um, like, you know, not, not like the main end game. story quests. The main story quest. Thank you. Like, not like post game, as we might think, you know, like the raids. Yeah, I, stuff. I know the Sulker end- has actually been doing all of the Eden raids. Yeah. He's, he's been, uh, he's gotten further than I have, I'm, which I'm super thrilled with, like, that he's, uh, been super into it. I've been meaning to, uh, get back but the reason why the reason why i haven't been doing a lot of the raids and stuff is because i'll talk about when when, we, when i talk about my next game but anyways i'm gonna keep this moving so uh, uh the story is really great i uh was really emotionally invested in it i was really emotionally invested in Stormblood as well but it continues to be great um the scenario writer like at um i don't remember if it was tokyo game show or something that or there was some event where like she was at and the audience gave her a standing ovation and she was like getting all like tearing up and everything and like was totally deserve deserving of the ovation like the writing is just uh, spectacular um highly recommended i mean i know people like have thoughts about mmos but i i, I can wholeheartedly say at this point and i'm not just being it's not just coming from a bias of liking you know mmos and liking final fantasy 14 as an mmo if you are a Final Fantasy fan, I feel like you owe it to yourself to play through um, play through Final Fantasy XIV. I mean, at least maybe once they kind of trim the fat from the Realm Reborn, which they did. We talk about that, or was that something that came up during our hiatus? I that think that actually came up during the hiatus. That they're going to start to trim some of the fat because it, that is a slog to get through, and I it feel is, that. Yeah, and like you know, the kind of the way that they approach their scenario design now you know it it kind of does you know it kind of does um show its age a little bit but you know a realm reborn saved that cape so thank god um uh so yeah anyways i want to really quickly talk about a few things i have not leveled either of the new jaws but i did do the initial um quest lines or you know like the starting quest for each and kind of played around on like a training dummy and you know with some mobs in the wild maybe did i don't think i did a dungeon with the other one but um interestingly you know i was all gung-ho for gunbreaker um because obviously gunblades i love final fantasy 8 um you know so i was super super hyped for that um at as it was at launch of shadowbrainers it didn't feel quite as you know it felt a little clunkier than i expected it to and maybe that was just me maybe it maybe you know the other thing to keep in mind is that these jobs um can change drastically after you get certain skills i've heard that uh black mage is that way that after you get a certain level 72 or something skill or spell that like it totally changes your rotation so like i said that could be part of it um surprisingly i found dancer of the two of them way more engaging and it's um kind of um just lets it's a little more like freeform really i i think also just range dps in general um really feels like it's in a good spot um because my main character that I leveled through, and you know, as I said main, um, uh, my main character, um, I leveled him as a machinist um, because he's, you know, a machine of God. And he's also a friend and enemy of modern music. Um, LOL, LOL, LOL. But anyway, so, um, you know, I played through on, um, on, I played through with him, you know, the first time through. Um, and you'll see where I'm going here. So um, Final Fantasy XIV, if you're not familiar, is not incredibly alt-friendly, like, you know, in the way that World of Warcraft is, where the leveling goes pretty fast and you don't, you're not locked behind story gates, you know, story quest gates and stuff. Um, um, 
And the idea of having the job system kind of means there's really not a point, honestly, in having an alt. But, um, you know, tell that to me and a bunch of other people who are, um, you know, have no lives, basically. Um, but anyways, I enjoyed I enjoyed playing through Shadowbringers so much that after I got my main character to 80 on Machinist, I did a Fantasia of my alt character into um, a Viera, you know, like just gotta love Fran and, uh, and her bunny and her bunny babes. Um, and I know people think like that Viera look weird in the game or something, but I love mine. So um, I had bought like, you know, um, drop skip potions so that I didn't have to play through everything again, but um, so I could just start with shadow Rainers. Um, but my, Viera's named uh, Free Shavakadu, and she is super adorable. And I played Free Shavakadu. Free Shavakadu. Get to Del Taco. They got this new thing called Free Free Shavakadu. Um, so I played Bard on her, and um, yeah, like I really like playing ranged DPS in Final Fantasy XIV right now. Like the Machinist, like um, Machinist got a total overhaul. Um, it's super fun and dynamic and um, well a lot of the classes it feels or jobs i should say it yeah. feels got changed quite a bit at the release of shadowbringers and with some of the you know preparation patches right like the battle systems um yeah in my own um like with my own role of uh samurai i had not noticed as many pronounced changes yeah and then i have been able to do some uh non dps roles because some of the changes have made it a little more i think uh palatable yes yeah yes. And, uh, you know it's funny because um friendly um samurai is the one job that i of, of all of them that i have not really had a lot of experience with um and apparently that's one of the ones that changed the least. So, uh, yeah, yeah like, that's know. my main. And so it was like, oh, yeah, there are a few changes, but it's not a big difference. But mm-hmm. everything else was like pretty major, as I can tell. Yeah, a lot of quality of life. Like um, you don't have to have threat building rotations, which makes tanking a lot more streamlined, which I really like. Um, there were some controversial changes with healing. But honestly, I'm actually working through Scholar on my Viera now, uh, Free Shavakadu. And, you know, it actually feels pretty fine. So I haven't had really too many problems in, you know, Duty Finder and everything. Um, Just a side note, um, every character that I've ever played on Final Fantasy XIV has been a Summoner Scholar, because that was my first ever character on XIV, was this Summoner and an Arcanist. So, like, I I have to, any time I make a character on XIV, has to have those jobs. I love them so uh yeah it's like the battle systems feel pretty good there's like charge actions kind of in the way it feels a little more like modern world of warcraft now which is funny when i'll you know tie it into uh when i'm talking about later but anyway uh oh do you mean because they've added so many like contextual actions right right um and so it feels more like wow does now than you know it, it kind of felt a little more traditional in some ways, but uh, anyways, I've been talking way too long about Shadowbringers. I feel like uh, you need to uh, have a chance to talk about one of your games. Yeah, well, so I'm going to try to speed this along a little bit, and I'm actually going to talk about these two games kind of as a pair, but um, first I, I just want to talk individually about Persona 5. Um, I finished my Persona 5 game. It ranked at about 120 hours. 
I grinded my levels into the 80s largely by doing uh, mementos in game. Um, <clears throat> when we talk about mementos for people who maybe haven't played the game long enough, that's the like dungeon like uh, exploration mode that's a lot more like roguelike um sort of like going into like tartarus on random nights in persona 3 or what have you and uh for me like i found going into mementos to be a ton of fun so i i'm noting this because one of the main complaints i heard from a lot of people about persona 5 was that they felt that um it was really grindy from a gameplay perspective, I want to note, because I just want to knock the gameplay discussion out real quick. Um, I really enjoyed it, though. I felt like it made grinding sort of like this sectioned off thing that you could just kind of opt into or out of. Like, if you're not really trying to grind your levels too much, you just don't do too many of the mementos side quests and just go through the game's like core palaces and I still feel like you would end up at like a reasonable level of strength for, for the game. So I guess I felt like that was a thing that was blown away out of proportion, like a complaint about the game. One complaint about the game that was not blown out of proportion is the fact that while I did do a lot of grinding, I cannot imagine having brought that playthrough in under the 100 hour mark, which is Oof. still right. I like, mean, I see that, but I probably put 100 hours into um, Shadowbringers this summer, so it's just a matter well, of perspective. Well, and see, that's a very good point. Um, overall, though, you know, I, I did think Persona 5 was an incredible game. Um, just an excellent JRPG experience. The presentation is literally, I think, among the best in gaming. Um where things start to get a little dodgier is kind of with regard to first off the the fandom of the persona series is um i'm finding it extremely toxic mm -hmm. and that's really unfortunate because the actual um themes and storyline of persona mm -hmm. are really mature uh persona 5 and and you know i say really mature i, I should note i'm talking about really mature in the games space you know in the games space mature discussion of themes you know we're talking about metal gear solid 2 using super soldier cyborg presidents in order to make political points about political themes like it's a pretty low bar but still persona 5 breaking boundaries on discussing some issues that i have not really seen discussed to this degree in games um some of them were actually specifically involving issues of sexuality and um sexualization of people in media and the contribution of those same attitudes uh toward the sexualization of minors and this sort of gets an added wrinkle in the north american release in my opinion because whereas these characters might not be considered to be of a taboo age in japan to be uh focus characters in a game with you know dating aspects um where age of consent laws are different and ad cultural attitudes are different it played a little skeevier to me when playing through the game so it, it kind of um and this is kind of where i want to make my first kind of talking point and see what you think slaggy because i know that you played the game to some degree um i guess i felt like I was frequently running into, I, I know the popular term for it is ludonarrative dissonance, where the narrative of the game and the gameplay of the game are sort of at cross purposes, except in this case, it was almost like the narrative of the game and the 
aesthetic of the game were at cross purposes at time. Um, in your time playing Persona 5, what was your take and um, sort of what was your take on, I guess, what the game was trying to say? And did you feel that the game was undercutting itself? Because I guess that sort of describes how I was feeling, even just a few hours in already. Yeah, I mean, because I'm just thinking of like the first castle or whatever they called it. And the Kamoshida's uh, Palace. Yeah. And like, um, I don't know. Like, where uh, On is being sexualized as like her, well, not actually On. It's like not even On's shadow. It's just like a, a, a Bimbet like clone version with no brain because that's Kamoshida's cognition of her, which is right. like itself, like a whole ass statement. And then the game dresses Anne up in a cat suit for the whole rest of the game. And Anytime she talks about her discomfort at being ogled by the boys, it's just kind of laughed at. At LOL, you say by the you and... say by the board by the boys, but Morgana's like, "Well, Panther, you're so gorgeous." Oh, so... dude, Morgana's so skeevy on her constantly, like through the whole game. Even like, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's a whole talking point to itself, practically. Morgana's the only reason I'm okay with mommy, that except. It's Morgana's like the group mommy, except where On is involved, and then she, he group baby. Yeah, like the only reason I'm okay with, oh, Panther, you're so gorgeous, is because uh, we have a friend whose black cat is named Panther, uh, which this was before Persona 5 happened, you know, that he was. Although, funny enough, our friend who has a cat named Panther loves Persona 5. Loves <laughs> Persona 5 and yeah, also loves Morgana. Yeah, so like anytime she sends a picture of Panther, I'm like, Oh, Panther, you're so gorgeous. Because <laughs> right? he is a he is a gorgeous cat. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I, um, I have to say your experience with Persona 5 made me um, more willing to give the game a proper try again. I feel like at this point I would just want to start fresh. Well, in one of the one of the things for me in Persona 5 that I really liked to start with, of course. Well, let me say to finish with the game ends up going in the direction of questioning a society with a fascist dictator rising through the government. Uh, for Ooh, whatever kind of like Final Fantasy, <laughs> right? For whatever reason, um, I guess Atlas Se- slash Sega was blocking discussion of these themes in the game's press coverage, and even like you can't stream content from this part of the game, or at least you couldn't until recently. Or oh something. yeah, I remember like we were like, oh, they're really locking that down. They're like, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing is, um. It's just, there are some interesting storyline points toward the end that would be spoiled in a big shitty way that would suck. But interestingly, like, there is almost the rise of, like, a Trump-esque politician in toward the end of the game. And even just, like, the way that the game questions, like, how does society bounce back from like the questions of public faith and public confidence in the government being shaken and like how do we as individuals take responsibility for our individual pieces of these situations like what how do we demand change you know what 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 mm-hmm. can we expect 
And even if the game maybe doesn't go as far in discussing these points beyond literally paying them lip service in many cases, that's still more than any other game I've played in the last year, basically. Certainly yeah, you know, of any uh, game with this level of um, polish and production value, aside maybe the other game I wanted to link this to. But, but uh, first, you were going to say. It's ironic because this game didn't even come out until, I mean, in Japan, you know, so this game was in development before... Uh, you know, our political... Well, yeah, the, the alt-right and what have you. Um, you know, before that election nightmare uh, happened here. But then, you know, at the time we were like, ooh, and when there were um, teasers and there was a whole idea about it, like it being like... Um, escaping from society. Yeah, and like the, the themes of escaping from society and, you know, um, breaking free from the chains of oppression. We're like, ooh, that sounds edgy. And now it's like, wow, that's our life so it's kind of crazy how those themes were so forward thinking well yeah and especially from a lot of ways atlas which we uh sometimes you know i don't feel like atlas really tries well and that actually though i want to that's the perfect place for me to segue into my one of my other big persona 5 talking points which is that for as progressive and forward thinking as the game is with regard to its big statements and themes as i had been concerned about and had stated my concern literally years ago on this very show um while the game does talk a big talk about rebellion and questioning the society of, you know, normativity and fitting in and, you know, outcasting anyone who's different from you and trying to apply group pressure and leverage to, like, force minorities to change against their will. Like, the thing is, the game says one thing about really detesting and deploring those kinds of social behaviors and dynamics. And it talks a really great big talk about um, challenging those systems and changing those systems and taking responsibility into our hands for our own communities that um, perpetuate those systems, all of which in life are really great lessons to take for real. Um, But within the context of the game, even though it does push all of these really cool things forward, it then also does have sequences where repeatedly, you know, the, the boys are pushing female classmates to undress at, you know, the drop of a hat if it's convenient for the plot, even if they're not looking into any other possible solutions that might be better or more efficient for the plot, just for the sake of fan service and what have you, you know? Um, We have, you know, uh, the obvious, extremely questionable LGBT representation in the game where, uh, you know, two recurring gay characters are played for straight-up laughs as, like, horny pervert stereotypes that make the male character's of the game uncomfortable repeatedly so they're they're actually represented in my opinion like harassing the player characters Uh, yeah that's you know it's so it's just like how can you talk this talk about challenging society and challenging preconceived notions and like breaking the societal expectation of punching downward and then do it yourself It's the exact same problem that I said I was going to have with the game. I still do have it. And yet Persona 5 for me would be a game I'd call a must play. And when the Royal releases, I'm going to get it day one and I'm going to play it immediately. Despite the fact that I just put 120 hours into this this summer. Mm. If that's not, I mean, that's like the highest recommendation I can possibly make for a game, honestly. And a plot twist. I'm planning on recording my whole playthrough and then probably making a video essay on it. Because I'll be honest, the very idea that people can possibly insist that I miss 
misreading this game or its intentions or what it's saying is making me real mad because either we can talk about games as art or we can't talk about games as art but i'm trying real hard here to make legitimate criticism about these games and y'all are just trying to attack me as a human being for that and that's hella dumb yeah not okay but then, you know, I wanted to contrast, though, because, you know, Persona 5, in addition to the, you know, extreme perfection, JRPG, stylish, etc., etc., um, it's also like a glorified visual novel in between, like, JRPG gameplay portions. And one of the other games I played this summer was Fire Emblem Three Houses, which is also a game that has a lot of very similar um, features, uh, which I hadn't even really realized until I was like, wow, this is like a visual novel, but for the RPG gameplay portions in between. And then I started to, in this case, think about, you know, it almost feels like Nintendo is trying to target a similar demographic as Persona 5. Um, I really felt like the way that, you know, the storyline of Fire Emblem Three Houses plays out. And I kind of don't want to talk heavy spoilers here, but it actually ended up also having some fascist and anti-fascist storylines. And some of the storyline situations that you can run into depending on certain choices, as if you're some kind of fucked up Moira 10, um, are really questionable with regard to how you interact with the fascists. Again, much like Moira 10. Um, that's an X-Men joke for those of you out there reading comics right now. But I still ended up thinking it was really interesting that I played two of these games wherein there were themes of, you know, rebellion and dealing with fascist regime uprisings. Um, both had, you know, a heavy focus on inter-character, like interpersonal character dynamics and uh, through like social links and social link type systems. Um these features where as your characters narratively developed connections with one another, you also got gameplay advantages. And so they ended up like really feeding into a very similar loop that I ended up finding very potent. Um, I also, Oh, what was that? Nothing. No. Okay. I, I also noted that um, fire emblem three houses, in my opinion, handled LGBT issues uh, substantially better than persona five. Uh, obviously fire emblem three houses also has a lot of fan service. I'll note, I actually am not opposed to fan service. The main reason in Persona 5 that it bothered me is that it's fan service of characters represented as high schoolers, like 16 and 17 year old high school girls. And the game makes a whole ass point in the first five hours to like tell you very openly why the sexualization of these characters is wrong. Uh, maybe the point of the game is for you to feel guilty while playing it, but I didn't really feel guilty. I just felt like they should have made better choices. Um, again, Fire Emblem Three Houses does have similar types of fan service, but it doesn't bother me because there isn't five hours of video of essaying at you about why that sexuality is wrong. Um, it also has actual gay characters, so that's nice. Um, it might only, as far as I know, be like one who is literally like full on all the way gay says, I love you, man, to a dude and means it romantically. But I'll take that over forced like uh, conversion therapy storylines and, and weird like homo pervert villains. Just a quiet, sleepy gay romance was really nice to run into. In fact, oh, yeah, houses. because yeah, that what, which one was it that had the um gay conversion powder or whatever that was fates i think oof 
Yeah, and you know, so none of that here. Uh, obviously, the game is lacking in a number of like gay dating options, but uh, whereas Persona had zero, it was nice to have any. It was nice to have, you know, uh, S-rank dialogues where one male character straight up says to another male character, like, I love you, I want to marry you, and they get gay married, so like, that's sick as fuck. Um, you know, uh, I, I didn't even mind, you know, the requisite all of the characters are practically in a harem with the main character. And for whatever reason, all of these students and other teachers want to date you. And I, even then the power dynamics of that were gross, but not as gross as in Persona 5 when yeah. teachers want to date you because there wasn't a whole chapter about teachers not being supposed to date their fucking students. Yeah, and at least I guess in... Like, Persona... like there was a whole ass palace specifically about how fucked up yeah, the power I guess dynamics in... of that were. In three houses, you're meant to be like the same age. You're just like a uh, yeah. I mean, I haven't played. I haven't. I've only played like yeah. It just of it, honestly, I've I've have not put any time into three houses at all. Like there are S ranks in Persona Five with like overage characters, and because so much of Kamoshida's palace focuses on like power imbalances also with regard to sexualization it just feels really skeevy to me whereas in three or fire emblem three houses at least all of the romance elements take place after the time skip so you're no longer teacher and student and after a time skip so everybody is at least ostensibly a consenting adult for whatever reason context matters and i don't mind all that Aren't you a super young teacher anyway? Like you were. Yeah, you're meant to be a peer to the other kids in three houses. Yeah. Whereas in Persona 5, no, it's you're just a high school student who uh, starts calling on one of your teachers as a maid to come to your house after school and give you massages. It's not creepy at all. Mm. Anyway, that's a lot I have just said. I still have a lot to say. This is why I'm going to probably start making video essays on youtube about video games because well, when i talk you... about this shit i'm tired on twitter people shitting on me and uh here, yeah that's you know, not okay we have more things to talk about <laughs> that's not okay that's not okay of them but uh, I, what is okay is the idea of you doing video essays i wholeheartedly support that so thank you well we're starting to get long in the tooth yeah so i mean you know the whole idea of private servers and classic servers has been around for ages at this point um you know relatively um, and I never really understood the appeal of it. Um, when I realized that you could, you didn't need a separate sub- subscription to play WoW Classic when it launched. Um, you know, you just need, it's, it's one subscription for World of Warcraft and you can play retail, which is what, you know, they call the, you know, the current game, um, Battle for Azeroth, um, and Classic. So you have access to both. I thought, you know, so like, why not give it a chance? You know, I'll pay for a month. Just to uh, just just see what it's like, and then you know maybe peek in on see what just for just for a lark see what's happening in uh, Battle for Azeroth. Um, so honestly, the, um, the the first at first I started playing a uh, Night Elf Druid, and um, even though I ended up um, not sticking with that character, I ended up um, play I ended up making a gnome warlock instead. Her name is Pixie Sticks, like sticks, like the river sticks because she's a warlock. Um, so even though, like I said, I ended up not really feeling Druid in particular, um, just because Druid really was a rough spot back in vanilla. Um, uh, the whole, once, even when I was still playing Druid and, you know, it was kind of like a little bit struggle bus, 
Um, once I was in, you know, the old Teldrassel, which, you know, um, uh, the cataclysm completely changed the old world. So just being in that old world and seeing what the um, game used to look like and um, those old old school quests, I thought I was going to get tired of it after 10 minutes. But honestly, I found it kind of charming in a way. Um, and I think also because, the, you know, we're there's no rush. We already know how that how you know vanilla ended you know story-wise and then you know all the expansion since there's like not re- i never i didn't really feel um you know i, I have to speak past tense at, at this point because i have now unsubbed for the time being uh as we talked about earlier which is unfortunate because i f- was really enjoying just kind of um revisiting the old world of warcraft <laughs> literally um going through westfall and i actually um I actually rolled on the server Old Blanche because of, you know, the horse Old Blanche in Westfall, who I always loved. Um, you know, so I was actually having a really good time. And, like, obviously, um, the game has come a long way. But what really, um, for me, made it feel like, okay, there actually is a space for, for a thing like Classic WoW is it really made me feel like, um, it made me think about, like, um, for archival purposes, like games preservation, you know, there's no way for example there's no way to play um there's really no way to play officially um you know old like if you really wanted to play 1.0 final fantasy 14 there's no way i don't even i don't know if there's private servers but there's no official way to do that and um yeah sure well, yeah, i mean that's been a thing for as long as mmos have been a thing we've talked right. about that even with regard to games like uh star wars galaxies and the like right i mean you know um even if like Final Fantasy XIV 1.0 is a shit show. Um, I feel really passionately about games preservations. And, you know, we've talked about this in the digital space about how, uh, you know, things like PT, you know. So, I mean, not yeah, to get absolutely. that, but um, I think that even just for the idea of, for me, it just feels similar to playing like a, a retro game, honestly. Like, it's like, oh, this is like, you know, going back and playing Super Mario Brothers 1. It may feel a little bit janky at times compared to, you know, even. Super Mario Brothers um, three or Super Mario World, or you know, I, I think a lot of people don't appreciate how how much um, smoother the physics have grown, you know, over the past thirty years of Mario platformers. Um, because I think we we think of um, you know Mario Maker, you know, and how that feels. That's not how that's not how Mario One feels when you go and play it. it does not feel the same as playing a Mario One level on Mario Maker. Uh, that being said, um, like you know, I, I I had a similar experience. Like I'm like. You know, even though the leveling is super slow and battles could be slow, like I was, I found like I found it charming. And you know, there's a lot of you know s- silly um, quest text and stuff. So I felt like it was it was nice just to be in that world again. Um, one ex- one thing that I was really surprised about actually is that you know I didn't start playing until Burning Crusade. But honestly, um, Vanilla. I mean, I know that this wasn't um, the balance of Classic is more like um, a couple months in in terms of like the, how the classes feel. Even if I mean, you say all... a couple months in, I mean we're really talking like a year, it's a year in. Yeah, so I mean, it's in terms of how the classes play, um, it's more like a year in. So I, I really did not have, still do not have the official beginning vanilla WoW experience, and you know, losing um, experience penalties and stuff like that, right? Where you if you die that you lose experience. So I mean. 
I can't say that I will ever have. Oh God! I remember in early. I don't even think it made it to the live game. I think it might have been out in the patch, like or out by the time it launched, but out of beta. But they had a feature. um, It was almost like an inverse rest, where you would start to get like negative multipliers on your experience if you played too long. Oh, and God. like like a fatigue almost <laughs> yeah it was almost like a fatigue system in beta and it was like again like an inverse to rested and like i just ew that sounds awful yeah um, um i yeah no i noted when i was playing classic i was like wow this feels a lot cleaner than i remember classic feeling mm-hmm. but like it honestly didn't feel too different to me than my memories of burning crusade in terms of how the class well, and felt. once you said that once you said that i was like oh yeah i guess it does feel because i had been playing in vanilla and left before burning crusade and then came back toward the end of burning crusade and so i'm guessing that it's like oh yeah this i guess does kind of feel more like later but still very early wow rather than what i think of as like near launch day wow mm-hmm. but yeah so but um, in a very yeah. cool way i actually thought um i find work world of warcraft classic to be an extremely compelling experience like it's been like another chance to experience nostalgia with people that weren't i didn't have there with me for it right the first time and, I mean, around. and it's been pretty it's, wild for that like i said I'm especially kind of actually mad about um the yeah, yeah the same. Last day or two because i don't want to give wow up but yeah same I, i'm not gonna keep fucking paying and for you this. know um like I said, that is that is what's so unfortunate about it is you know this current. I mean, that's not what's unfortunate. What's unfortunate is what's happening in Hong Kong, you know, and the you know human rights. But I mean, it, it, this is a shitty side effect of Blizzard's choices, not like you know the Hong. Kong. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Right. I want to be clear that like right, right, right. This is not why I'm mad about it. Is just oh no, no, for sure. As an aside, also, um, god damn it. Because like I was saying, going back to the fact that Cataclysm totally changed it. At the time, we were like, oh, yeah, whatever. But now it's like, now with Classic, even though I'm not playing it currently, you know, as long as they maintain the Classic server, you know, you can experience that world again. And I mean, I kind of don't know why they just didn't put a um, one of the Caverns of Time Dragons um, somewhere and say, oh, do you want to go back and experience the other world? And like, you know, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like that could have... I don't know why they never bother to do that but anyway um i would presume that there are a lot of problems with that yeah anyway um just just in terms of how the data would be handled i mean but yeah yeah um like so i'm i wish that blizzard had not has not been uh had not done something so shitty because like i was really looking forward to i was just getting to the point where i was starting to get dead mines quests and i was like oh you know the original dead mines you know, something that we had such fond memories of, and they totally redid Dead Mines. And it, the current, you know, modern Dead Mines is still a lot of fun. It's a, uh, that's a Cataclysm, you know, dungeon now. It's an 85 dungeon, um, heroic or whatever. Um, that, yeah, like, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that there will be a point where, you know, Blizzard has atoned for what they've done because, like I said, not only was I really enjoying it and looking forward to, like, you know, with you and Rob Roberts, Going to like Dead Mines and Shadowfang Keep and uh, you know all those Welling Caverns and um, Black Fathom Depths and um, all those dungeons, like you know, just kind of going through that again. Like I, I just was really, like I said, I found it charming and I was really surprised because before I was just like, 
And I, I didn't, I, and I only rolled on old Blanche just to be like, I'm going to try it for 15 minutes just so I can talk about it on Game Bowie and laugh about it. So th- that was the big change of heart for me to the point where I was starting to, um, I picked up some of my, uh, level 100 alts again and took them to get their, uh, artifact weapons, even though the artifact power, like that doesn't work anymore. You know, so like, um, like the mage, like I was playing, I never had done my mage, um, artifacts so i went through and got her frost staff or whatever and i was like i really enjoyed you know that little scenario like that was really cool um legion was actually pretty cool um battle for azeroth had some cool things i know it's pretty unpopular right now actually just from the what i've kind of gathered from the community um i went and did brew fest because um my paladin um has all of the brew fest stuff because he's like a his name's bro dude so he's got to have all the beer stuff and so he now he has a beer tabard, but now I'm not going to play him until Blizzard gets his shit together. So uh, yeah, it's shitty. Like I said earlier, I was really hoping to play our pirate rogues. Now that I was starting to really like seriously have an interest in playing World of Warcraft again. Yeah, um, that yeah, I'm I'm on a similarly uh, piss poor note on that. Yeah, so I mean, I think wait, until Blizzard changes, maybe I don't. But I mean, obviously, I still have uh, you know Shadowbringers, you know. And I have some catching up to do with that, but I'm thinking like maybe going back to like the old Republic or something, or um, I don't know, like Guild Wars Two or just something like because I morally feel I can't support Blizzard right now. Which, by the way, I'm not getting Overwatch on um, Switch in, unless they uh, unless they like you know I'm not supporting Blizzard at all until they uh, you know change their you know or atone for what they did, um, but. You know, like maybe, like I have the interest in playing another MMO or like, yeah, oh man, do you know what I wish would uh, come back is City of Heroes, City of Villains. Yeah, I would be into that. Oh, maybe, maybe I'll start playing DC Universe Online again. Um, that maybe I always find someone will hear it. Yeah. Anyways, um, the one parting word I will say is that if Blizzard ever gets their shit together, um, you know, and makes good on what they did wrong. I would really love a Wrath of the Lich King classic server, please. I know it's kind of in some ways pointless because that content is still available, but the way that the classes were balanced just felt really good, really good in Wrath. I mean, I feel like that was the golden age for me. Um, and I just really want to be able to play a Death Knight again and be able to tank or DPS on any spec before they like forced you to be blood if you wanted to tank i love being a frost death knight tank and i want to be able to play that again so please <laughs> all right moving uh, on yeah let's see i um, also, also played through a uh, breath of the wild complete run including dlc um when i say complete yeah. run i did not do all of the koroks but i did do oh, all, girl, of don't the rides, you. all of the dlcs and 400 koroks Oh, wow. That's still... Which is 400, yeah, out of like 900. Uh, 400, I think, was how many it was to get all of the Korok level-ups. That that was the number I was going for. Um, the big thoughts I really had about Breath of the Wild in going back to it, um, you know, when I first played Breath of the Wild, I was kind of rushing through it because I didn't want to get spoiled. I didn't want to have, you know, the best parts of the game ruined for me by people on Twitter. And so I ended up kind of rushing it and... I think a lot of us did going back to it and playing it at my own pace, not really remembering how areas were covered in the media and not really seeing people on my social feeds, like talking about 
their cool experiences and really experiencing it kind of more in a vacuum of my own sort of a revisitation of, of the land, so to speak. Um, I really just have a much greater appreciation for um, just how much content they created and spread around this world and really created a situation where it's easy for the player to achieve success and find ev enough of everything they need, in my opinion, without really running into to issues like boredom and, and things no longer being interesting. Um, one of the design choices of the game, you know, the equipment that breaks down quickly for me that actually turned out to be a very compelling hook for keeping me going i had noted back when i played the game the first time that uh, i liked that system because it kept me using new weapons and stuff um so keeping that in mind i tried to go even harder in that direction this time and so um, i would not only let gear break pretty quick you know i wasn't working super hard to preserve it i was also trying to actively try to use all of the gear i would find and not just stick to even my favorites of the favorites and um i just really it kind of feels like a lot of us myself included just don't want to play the game as a survival game the way it was kind of intended it seems to me uh you know this is supposed to be another layer of resource and item management and time management and etc cetera, etc cetera management and it's really well designed in my opinion in that regard however it's just not a design choice that i think a lot of us wanted in zelda uh, but for me now that i've sort of gotten over that now i'm like well shit i hope that that doesn't get rolled back on in breath of the wild 2 because it might not have been popular but it was well done and fantastic and i think a sequel would be lesser for not having it yeah um, then let's see oh yeah and also i wanted to note the dlc has like new story content that is fantastic um it's yeah i, think, I feel like i um the first part of the dlc like i sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but um i feel like the first part of the dlc there was like a trial you had to do that was really tough and so like i haven't done anything since well i was actually just gonna say the dlc is all like stupidly gated behind like hard content I guess the expectation is like, oh, you did all of the all of the challenges and now this is like the next step up. And and for me, that was true. But I think for a lot of people who just want to do the game, do the four core guardians and then do the DLC, you're not going to have, you know, 120 shrines. So you're not going to have full heart heart pieces and full stamina bars. And in that case, I imagine it would be hella hard. So yeah, no, that sucks because it's honestly some of my favorite story content in the game. And I think a lot of people are not going to see that. And that sucks. Um, yeah. It was interesting, though, because playing this and then playing the recent Link's Awakening remake, um, it really gave me a very interesting perspective on and the like overall value proposition of Link's Awakening remake. Um, you know, I've talked about this a lot here on the show. I hate talking about games with regard to their overall value proposition because it's so hard to quantify and contextualize the value of a dollar or $5 or $20 or $60. So I try to talk about games as experiences unto themselves that people can decide whether to opt in or not based on you know how the experience sounds to them and and what their budget looks like the problem is with link's awakening remake which i would absolutely call a must play 
for me, I guess there is kind of a question of the value perception when I look at Link's Awakening Remake compared to Breath of the Wild, because they're two games that cost effectively the same amount of money, but one was a solid like 100 plus hours of entertainment and one is 10-ish. And, and that doesn't make Link's Awakening a bad game. Again, it's to me a must play. It's 10 plus lovely, charming adorable, delightful, happy hours of joy. And I'm, I'm very happy to have them. But they changed very little from the original release. And as a result, it really did make me realize like, oh, when I compare these two things, one of them really stands out as being a lesser or smaller product. And it was just really striking to me um, when I was writing out this show role and sort of thinking about it in this context, just to compare these two releases. Uh, again, both of which I would call must plays. Just it's really interesting the way that the two large Zelda Switch releases so far have sort of highlighted, I think, maybe the smallest, most charming and polished Zelda experience. And then like the biggest, deepest, widest, at least polished Zelda experience. It's just a funny sort of situation and parallel, I think. Parallel is the word mm. I was looking for. Anyway, I'd, I'd like you to wrap this up. You have one more game to talk about. Um, and I would like you to talk about that because it is a hot topic right now. And that is the perfect thing. And that us. is the way that we rhyme. Um, it is the way that we rhyme. Um, so it, it, funny enough, um, one of the next cups should be unlocking um, within the next half hour or so. Super excited. I'm talking about ah. Mario Kart 4, which is the very unpopular right now. And, um, ooh, the multiplayer isn't real. It's um, a, you know, it's a money trap. Like, so I shouldn't love it because I don't like mobile games, typically. I don't like... Um, I don't know, like, I just, I don't, typically don't like, you know, especially mobile games that have, like, oh, you ran out of energy, so you need either to buy gems to refresh the energy or wait 10 hours or whatever. So, typically, I don't like mobile games, you know. That that has its roots, I really feel, back speaking to Zanga, Zynga, Zanga, whatever it is. Zynga. Zanga was, like, a live journal. Um, but, uh, you know, Farmville, you know, like... Um, that's where that shit started, I feel like. Um, the thing I like about Mario Kart Tour, well, first of all, um, I love Mario Kart. I feel like if you've been listening to our show, even not from the, necessarily from the beginning, you know that I'm uh, Mario Kart has a very spe special place in my heart, um, especially like 64 and Double Dash, you know, that era. You know, I really love Mario Kart. Um, so first of all, like the um, actual playing, I mean, yes, it's a little bit of easy mode because, like, you know, you can't fall off of the edges and stuff. And you're, like, basically just steering with your thumb. Um, I mean, you can use tilt controls. Like, I'm using tilt controls, but um, that's a hot mess. So I'm just, you know, basically, like, you know, playing with, you know, just uh, with my thumb to steer. But, like, uh, I actually really enjoy it for some reason. And I feel like... um. For the most part, you can play as much as you want without having to pay anything. I mean, sure, you know, if you want... I mean, really, the, the thing that you're paying for is if you want that gotcha element. And um, I mean, for me, I'm just kind of like, you know, when I get the gems to to use the gotcha stuff or like to uh, to do a uh, pool or whatever you call it. Um, in Mario Kart Tour, it's the pipe um, that you, that you get. that uh, pipe, sis. Oh, ooh, girl. Um, so, you know, you could get a... Um, 
a cart, a racer, or a um, like you know a flying thing. Like what do they call that? Like you know a glider. A glider, thank you. So you know, um, and then sometimes you get duplicates. You know, it's a gotcha game. But um, I, I like I said, I don't feel pressure to spend money. That being said, I did unlock the gold pass because um, you can get um, certain rewards. That's like so it's five ninety nine or four ninety nine a month, which some people are like, oh, that's so much money. But hey, I'm saving money now that I canceled my WoW subscription. So uh, you know, I, like I said, because it, um, like I feel more comfortable doing something like that than. Um, for me, it feels more like, you know, the Fortnite um, season pass sort of thing, kind of. Like, and I, I feel like, I feel okay supporting things like that. And if, I feel like that's really more what it's like. The, the further you progress in, like, the cups, you could, if you're a gold subscriber, you can um, unlock certain rewards. Like, I got um, Metal Mario was one of the ones I got from the last tour. Um, and he's actually been, like, one of the best racers. Uh, anyways, uh, so, uh, like, basically, to kind of give... If, if you have not tried it out yet, listeners out there, the idea is that um, so you a lot of the, a lot of it's based on you know um, doing like combos and earning points. So like you know you might be doing lots of drifts or um, with certain ways you use items. Certain racers will get one. So depending on which racer you pick, it will have like one, two, or three items from an item box, and then you know so. Some tracks, for each track, there's, like, the optimal racer, cart, and glider combo if you want, like, the most points. And, I mean, that's where kind of where the gotcha element is because, like, you know, most of the times the three-item racers, a lot of the times are the ones that are, you know, locked behind the gotcha element. But that's not always necessarily true. And so, um, yeah, so basically you're doing that to earn points. And then, you know, you get points for first, second, or third place, or depending on what your placement is, um, that gives you points. And so the more points you get, you get stars. And stars unlock the next, like, the higher level uh, cups. And it also unlocks some gifts that include coins for the shop, which, you know, that that's a w- currency that you get through racing. You get coins for doing challenges and stuff. So, like I said, you don't have to spend money. And I still feel like there's actually a lot of depth there. Um the thing I really like about that actually is that um, I feel like um, you don't have to necessarily get first place to five star a certain track. That being said, um, so th- the way that Mario Kart Tour is designed is that, um, like at least right now, the format is that um, every two weeks there's a new tour based on a real world locale. It started with the New York tour, and so there was a, the New York Minute track that appeared in some of the cups so each cup has like three uh, races and then a challenge activity which is uh, kind of fun and i like i think that's really i think it's actually a lot of fun um and so you know you, you do have to wait um for ones to unlock over time so like that you can still replay the old the old um the ones you've already unlocked though to try to get a higher score just for fun you know so like that's why i feel like you can play as much as you want without paying or waiting for like energy recharges and stuff um and there's sometimes you can get tickets from like the gift boxes that will unlock a cup early. So like I, I just think there's a lot of um, you know there's still a lot of game there for you know without having to spend money. Um, and so uh, basically, what I was finding towards the end of last week, um, which was the end of the New York tour, is that actually it did get tougher to get um, the five star combos. Like you, some of them required like ten thousand points on a track and. Uh, so I feel like um, because what you do is um, 
you know, you, you get experience for your, um, your racer, your cars and your gliders. And so like they'll level up or like, you know, the duplicates will help you level up. So it's almost like an RPG element in that way. I don't know, like if that's the right way to say it. I mean, it, it's more gotcha based, but, um, so, you know, you get, uh, and as you level up, you also get more points for getting first, second, and third place. So, um, like, I found it harder to five-star, and there were still a few cups, I feel like, that I didn't unlock, and, um, you know, but that's okay. Um, now it's the Tokyo Tour, which I'm really having a lot of fun with. Um, Excellent. Yeah, so the weird thing is that there's apparently not really multiplayer, and I guess it's AI, but the, it's definitely clear that the names are being pulled from the, like, actual player base. Yeah, um, because I know Nintendo employees wouldn't name the racers Anxiety or Jesus Died LOL, which are two racers that I've come across. So, um, yeah, when you sent me the screen cap of the second Jesus one in particular, LOL, yeah. yeah, like that was very clearly like, OK, no, th- this at least must be pulling user data. But honestly, I don't care that it's not real players right now. The multiplayer will come at some point and I'm having fun. And that's what matters, I think. Um, there's um remixed versions of tracks which are like you know how there's like reverse tracks to like mirror mode so sometimes there's reverse tracks but then there's the like um so it might be like um yoshi circuit t and like that's a remixed one it has like a bunch of ramps so you get a chance to really build up those combo points and it's a lot of fun uh just to wrap this up really quick i actually feel like there's a lot of ideas that um a future mainline cart game could implement that you know would actually be pretty cool like um i actually really like earning points from, um, you know, doing your cart, like having an upgraded cart or, you know, doing the combos, um, doing drift power boosts, um, doing um, like with some of the tracks, having its preferred combinations of cart racer and glider, like kind of encourages you to like try other characters instead of just always sticking, you know, with Koopa Troopa, for example, which I know that he's, he's your dude, you know, um, um, and like, I, you know, obviously it would have to be balanced better for like an, um, a retail game, but, um, you know, not better, but, you know, balanced appropriately for a retail game. But the idea of unlocking characters in the way of like using the stars or coins and upgrading kind of like that element, I, I enjoy. And, um, so like maybe instead of unlocking new characters with the stars, maybe it could be like alternate outfits or something. But like I said, uh, I think the thing I really like, like I said, is the idea of like, you don't have to get first place to unlock the next cup. Like if you're racing really well and you're like, you know, drifting, doing combos, it's okay if, you know, maybe someone passes you at the last minute and you get second. It's not like, oh, you didn't get enough points to unlock the, you know, to get gold on the 150 CC cup. And now you've got to do it all over again if you want to unlock the next cup. So I think there's a lot of possibilities for, um, a lot of forward thinking here, you know, um, especially for a game that's getting a lot of, uh, it's getting pretty maligned, um, honestly. You know, it's it's tough for me because what you're describing for me sounds so unappealing, but that's okay. You know, not every game design choice has to be for everyone. And I would totally be happy with, uh, you know, seeing Nintendo take some new and exciting, daring steps with Mario Kart. So I, I'd definitely be down to see them adopt some of these ideas in a mainline game i guess my big problem is that um I, while i don't mind these features in a cart mobile game which feels kind of like a spin-off for the cart core games i want my like performance to be um for me at least 
graded on how well I race, not necessarily am I doing enough tricks and scoring enough points. And uh, for me, I, I I play Mario Kart largely to, for the racing aspect. I really enjoy that. And, you know, nailing drifts for the sake of speed rather than the sake of points. Um, because yeah, yeah, I, you're not playing, I guess you're not playing a Princess Peach's pro skater. Well, precisely. But but I do think that would be a lot of fun for a lot of people. I think that especially having a point system that is maybe not tied to your progression in your cups, but toward your progression toward unlocking uh, new customization options like alt outfits like i actually i do think there's a lot of ground where they could play with and experiment with both ideas and come up with new fun ways to unlock progression also can we have like a can the next mario kart sports sorry not mario kart the mario sports game be a mario skating game like how have they not done that yet like right tony hawk but mario Right. Well, unfortunately, we are going to have to call this episode short because we are already rubbing up against our two hour mark. Oof. Right. So um, overall, keep gaming, keep thinking. Bye. Just no, we're not we're not quite <laughs> not quite there. But um, I do want to say overall, it sounds like you really enjoyed Mario Kart Tour World Tour. Is that right? Um, Is it Kart Tour or Kart World Tour? Tour. And I. I enjoying i mean not right at this moment but after we're done recording i'm gonna get a few more cups in before bed nice that's great yeah you know i was having some struggles with it because uh i literally like for my first six or seven rounds literally got blue shelled right before the end of each match in the first place like consistently each time so when i found out that it's just bots doing that to me i was actually relieved because i had honestly thought that people were just being really shitty about not letting people get to first and i was hella mad about it oh so now Um, i'm like okay well i'm not now it just it just sucks but um it's all right i'm enjoying the game i just really want for traditional controls um I'm normally very open to mobile gaming, so it's funny that this is the one that clicked for you and didn't click for me. Right. I mean, it, okay. what I was going to say is that um, as much as I love Animal Crossing, like I did not spend any time with Pocket Camp even. And you would have thought that that would have been the one that I would have be like, um, sorry, I am in credit card debt because of Pocket Camp. Ah, like, right. I, I cut class in college to play Wild World. I'm surprised that I am not in credit card debt because of Pocket Camp. That's funny. Um, I will note, as an aside, one of the other games I'm playing right now is Dragon Quest Quest Builders 2. Oh, Um, yeah. Because I haven't finished it. I don't want to talk about it yet, but I'm really enjoying it. And I think you would enjoy it a lot because it's very Animal Crossing-y in a way that I think you would like a lot. Oh, because you're making these little towns for people, and they all have little personalities, and they're cute Aww. and stuff. And yeah, they're like, make this, me a bathroom, yeah. make me a house, make me a library. Aww. And yes, make me a bathroom is a real one, so they can take big dumps. <sighs> yeah, because then you can harvest the poo pot for mushrooms. So, you know, circle of life. Oh, all right. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't you wrap us up with the exit loot? We love your feedback. We love your subscriptions, rating, and reviews on your favorite um podcast aggregator that's what they're called right i believe um, so we like your facebook likes and we effing love twitter you can mail us effing at mail we can mail us at or our twitter is at gamebuoy.org with the dot org spelled out d-o-t-o-r-g at gamebuoy.org with the dot org spelled out d-o-t-o-r-g don't troll us please and our email is mailbuoy at gamebuoy.org mailbuoy at gamebuoy.org oh you're good at that you, you still got that um and our home base is gamebuoy.org gamebuoy.org 
All right. Well, I would like to point you in the direction of some of our much family shows. Of course, you should check out the Orange Lounge radio podcast where every gamer has a voice and from whom we steal so many of our cues. I'd also like to point you in the direction of the Astral Era podcast, a Final Fantasy XIV podcast focused on in-depth discussion of new content, mechanics, story, and lore, music, and glamour, darling. And of course, last but definitely not least, is the currently off-season and possibly off-air Reading is Fundamental, where Slagkick leads a discussion talking about the current season of RuPaul's Drag Race. Okay, I do have to say that I did have fun watching the first episode of Drag Race UK. Honestly, I had a super fun time watching it too, even if I thought it was bad. Like, and I didn't even think it was that bad. I just thought some of the queens were messy AF, but that's half yeah, the fun. That's also apparently British drag for you. And I love when they did the Queen of England runway. Um, the one who did the postage stamp queen and the one who did the queen on the um, the one pound coin. <laughs> I'm like, that's that's good. Even if the execution was a little sloppy, honestly. Right, right. Although now that we're saying this, I feel like I'm going to owe it to myself to look up all of these queens and make sure I'm not standing a monster. But at yeah. least at the moment, I'm having a lot of fun. Excellent. Sorry that we're not podcasting about it. It's uh, Drag Race. Why don't you take us to a game bar? Well, because um, they're dearly departed, but... I know, I can never do that again. I wanted to get one last one out. Yeah, so uh, I'd like to shout you out to the Magical Boys podcast, pop culture podcast from a queer perspective. I'd also like to shout you out to the Nintendo Fun Club, your place for platformers, positivity, and pop-punk. Pop-punk. And pop-punk. Pop-punk. Um, you know what I have to say? Like, um, for all of the, um, like, oh, yeah, um, World of Warcraft classic, you know what is one classic thing that i'm not feeling what's that um, modern blink 182 and i'm i know that Brondorf, um aka uh one of the hosts of nintendo fun club i feel like he's pretty down with new blink 182 i i'm i'm not like controversial opinion time tom delange was the was the core of blink 182 i think that was clear when plus 44 flopped sorry about so it. what do you want to say about our music um this this goes out to Zelda Reorchestrated. I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well done. Uh, with all of this having been said, thank you so much for joining us here this lovely week. It has been a real pleasure talking to all of y'all out there in Internet Radio Land. I hope you've had half as much fun listening as we've had talking. Uh, the current plan is to record another one of these episodes within the next two weeks, hopefully oh. closer to one week. Uh, we'll, be back at you. At me. we'll be back at you in 7 to 14. But until then, keep gaming. Keep gaming. Keep thinking. Keep thinking. And it's been one week since you looked at me. <laughs> you said one week, and now I've got bare naked ladies in my head. Did I ever tell you about the time that I went to the mall to buy the album that had that song on it? Oh, stunt? My friend Amanda tried to convince me to get Rammstein instead, and she literally almost stopped being my friend for a minute because I got stunt instead of Rammstein. Yeah, but stunt, stunt had its moment.
Now recording. In case it wasn't clear, I am inclined to agree. So was the point supposed to be, they have to be a change of opinion because... Oh gosh, no, no, no. That's just because that was a 1975 song and it's a like literally like a theme in uh persona five so it's just like a cute thing for me yeah because i mean um but no you don't have to have a change of heart because no none of my other ones are really about a change of heart should i start with um, i might cut a couple of mine um since i have so many other so many more than you i'll probably cut my currently playing and this dragon quest well i mean no because this will be fine this will be perfectly cromulent um, um, I mean, should I start by talking? Because I was just going in like kind of chronological order. You know, it's the thing is, I'm gonna jump around a lot. I have a couple of prepared notes, so I'm not just like completely like freeballing it. But um, I'm gonna jump around a lot more and talk about these a lot less linearly than it might look here. Um, specifically, you might notice that like uh, the Persona 5 and Fire Emblem 3 Houses notes kind of parallel each other. Yeah, well, I was... And the Link's Awakening and Breath of the Wild obviously kind of parallel each other. See, I, I was hoping you were just going to go in order because then when you got to Link's Awakening, I would be like, oh yeah, I mean, this game is full of sexuality and themes of rebellion. <laughs> no, oh. <maybe> it is. <laughs> that is fantastic. I mean, it is, it is a queer little game, though. Link's I mean, Awakening? The, origi- the original one. I mean, oh, yeah. queer, queer is an odd. I mean, yeah, no, oh, for sure. And, you know, honestly, seeing it blown up in HD, like, it still feels queer as an odd and queer isn't kind of queer. But it's stupid that we're having this conversation off air. So I'm going to roll on in. Free your mind. The rest will follow. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> uh, I mean, speaking of which, unless you have something. I do, awesome. actually. Okay, because I was going to. I had a, another really good transition. But go ahead. Go ahead, of course. If you have something, if you have something important to say, you should contribute to it. And I will. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. No, I. Fuck. You, you got me distracted by encouraging me so many times. You jerk. That's all right. There's a blooper. Yep, exactly. See, I was, I was, I was trying to jump to Alpha Dream because I was like, oh, a segue. Yeah, no, but um, one of the things you had said there, I just felt like there was a really important note I had to tack on to one of the okay. last points you made. Okay, tack it, tack it on. Yeah, what was the last point you made? Um, people's livelihood being affected. These are real people, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I am. Um, yes. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, the you son of a bitch. <laughs> I don't think that can stay in the episode. Yes, it absolutely is going to stay in the episode. We didn't talk about anything inappropriate. No one sexualized anything. I mean, but you're talking about anime cartoon child testes. Slag kick, honestly, like I, I mean, but to be fair, sexualize it. We're not talking no, no, about no. anything inappropriate. No, like, I know. And to be fair, I... like to be fair, that was a whole thing. Remember back in the nineties, where they're like, like, wow, people's like sensitivities are so. I mean, I guess that was the whole point. Is that it was like it's that Funimation shouldn't have made it weird. It's like you know, um, and it didn't. My neighbor Totoro, like they like even cut out the like a super adorable scene where they dad. And them are like uh, taking the bath together because they thought it was like inappropriate. Um, I definitely remember there being issues with that in certain some territories. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that scene is like super innocent. So, anyways, yeah, yeah. All right. right. <clears throat> so, poopot, poopot, 
Poopot.